0: Welcome to Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. In this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God, Rich Kollenberg, shares 10 messages about God who loves you more than you can imagine a God that wants you to understand him. And yes, a God that welcomes your difficult questions about himself and the way he runs his universe. Rich found freedom 18 years ago from his out-of-control life of drug addiction and alcoholism when God found him. Break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Now here's Rich on Freedom to Choose.
1: A couple questions came in. Okay, I mentioned that... In speaking of the drug that I was on, that it made you 12 times, there was 12 times the uh, normal amount of dopamine generated in the brain uh, with this particular drug, so you became 12 times higher than you would on your best day. You felt 12 times better, and so the question is, Once one experiences one of these 12 times highs from a drug, will any of those one-time or two-time highs, in other words, normal life pleasure, see, normal life pleasure is 100 units of dopamine. Uh, When you're high on methamphetamine, it's 1,200 units of dopamine. So will the one- or two-time highs from life ever again satisfy? People, that's why drugs are so addictive. But what happens is when God gets a hold of the heart and you realize that this is a short-term deal and that there are future consequences and you become you get tired of hurting people and you want to do the right thing because it is right, God helps you do the right thing. And I don't know how many millivolts of electricity he helps you with, but it's all legal. It's all legal help that God gives you. I don't know anyone that um, has gotten clean and sober from methamphetamine that has not had help from above. Um, so anyway, that's, that's the first question. Um, and, and, but once again, that's why the drugs are so addictive. Um, tonight, especially, I'm glad this question was asked because we're going to deal with this hornet's nest that happens with sin. OK, we're going to deal with that and, and, and uh, in in, uh, in a specific fashion. OK, the next question is, is God really hands off or does he tempt us to do good as powerfully as Satan does to do evil? Isn't tempting us to do good part of the job of the Holy Spirit? Good question, right? Good question. Now, he uses the word tempt. Um, the Bible uses a different word because i don't know if you can tempt someone to do good or whether you do this Romans two four says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that god's kindness what did we determine? Uh, we still a study on this Jim and the pastor Jim brought a study, and it 's his kindness his goodness his kindness, his let say ability his he satisfies every need. He satisfies everything. And so it's God's kindness that's meant to lead you to repentance. When we find out actually what he is doing for us to get us into heaven so that we live with him for eternity, it's that, and, and what he is actually doing to sustain us, It's incredible, and every day we learn something new on what God's, that word kindness or goodness or whatever you want to call it, that leads us to repentance. We look around and we just say, wow, that's God. So let's say, yeah, um, I would imagine it's a pretty level playing field, and I would think that God's, we cannot make the devil more powerful than God because he's not. Jesus says, I could call 10,000 angels to my side. We have the resources of heaven to call upon. The problem is, we don't call upon them. God is not willing that any should perish, He doesn't want any of us to die. So let's call on those resources. Okay, so let's look at uh, one more set of facts that we probably didn't know. I didn't know. Maybe some of you know. More than 20% of adults in America, or one in five, took at least one prescription medication to treat psychological and behavioral conditions such as depression and anxiety in 2010. This included more than 25% of women, or one in four. Dr. David Mazzina, a, a psychiatrist and a national practice leader, of the Medco Neuroscience Therapeutic Resource Center notes that there has been a significant increase in the use of prescription drugs to treat psychological disorders. Dr. Mazina also pointed out that events in the past decade or so have been highly stressful including 9-11 terror attacks, two wars, and the current economic recession, and of course all the stuff that's been happening very recently. Uh, it just there's a lot of stress. There's a lot going on. This could lead to higher numbers of people seeking help for psychological disorders. The prescription drugs that Medicare patients most often abuse include powerful painkillers like OxyContin and Vicodin. These two drugs were involved in 8 out of 10 cases where patients visited multiple doctors for prescription commonly referred to as doctor shopping. One case covered in the Congressional Report involved a woman in Georgia who received a 150-day supply of OxyContin uh, in 27 days by visiting four different doctors. In a single year, she saw 58 doctors and received prescriptions for over 3,600 OxyContin pills, more than a four-year supply, which she filled at 40 different pharmacies. You gotta work hard at this. You gotta work real hard. It's a full time job. So, our question for tonight is Jesus really coming back? People are taking, they're doing whatever they can to get through the day now. Okay? So, as we ask this question, we find out are we just kind of spun out of control? Uh, and if so, how? what's happened, and I'll tell you, a text that's always bothered me, this text has always bothered me, because it makes God sound arbitrary, and it goes like this, Exodus 20 verse 5, I the Lord your God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So you love me over here, fine, but cursed be those over here. It sounds really kind of arbitrary. In fact, you know what? Cursed so bad that I'm going to go down three and four generations. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Doesn't sound fair, does it? Doesn't sound fair. And it's always bothered me. But then I decided, well, let's see what could be behind the scenes here. What happens in reality? First off, let's ask, God says there are people that hate him. So are there actually people that hate God? Second Timothy tells us something. Now, this seminar or these questions that I'd like to ask God, we are here because we're worried about these last days, aren't we? I mean, I, that's, that's why I'm doing a seminar. I, I, I'm assuming that you have questions that you want to ask God and they pertain, pertain to what's happening around you right now. Understand this in 2 Timothy 3.1. It says, but understand this, that in the what? Last days there will come times of difficulty. Uh, another version says perilous times. Wonder what these perilous times would be, these times of difficulty. I mean, would it be... Atom bombs, maybe? Would it be earthquakes? Be tornadoes, maybe? What do you think these times of difficulty would be? Let's let's continue. For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful unholy, do we see this going on now? Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of what? Pleasure rather than lovers of God. So these are very perilous times, but it has to do with what's between the ears. Yes, there are people that hate God. There are. But there are people that love him too. Now, in the context of the end times, let's look at those that love him. Right down at the very end of the Bible, okay, blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So you have those that do his commandments and they're blessed and they may enter into the city. But the next verse says something else. It says, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the what? Sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices what? A falsehood. What's a falsehood? It's a lie, right? So what would cause someone to want to be sexually immoral? What would cause someone want to want to lie? What would cause someone to lose their self-control? Many, many things. But I want to hone in on one avenue before we get into the second coming. Okay, Because this avenue is very important. Remember, we're dealing with, that, we're dealing with that, that verse in Exodus 20, verse 5, where it sounds like God is arbitrary and he's going to visit the iniquity down to the third and the fourth generations. How does that happen? And when we explore this avenue, then it's going to enlighten us on a whole lot of other avenues that are very similar and very parallel to exactly what we're talking about here. This is Dr. Gabor Mate. He's a physician and a psychotherapist who gave up his family. This is crazy. He gave up his family practice several years ago to work with HIV positive heroin addicts on Vancouver's downtown east side. Now, who in their right mind would give up a nice family doctor practice to go down and work with a bunch of junkies? doesn't make much sense until you understand his background. Now, he was born right during the Second World War. And what, what is interesting about Dr. Mattei is that his mother, when he was nine months old, handed him to a total stranger in order to save his life. Now, she got him back. They were reunited. But he has some issues. He has some addiction issues. Not drug addiction, but he has other addiction issues, which he speaks about when he goes places and speaks. And I was fascinated at what he came up with. So the fact was, he wanted to find out if there was something, if there was a correlation, what goes on in the brain. So he began studying the brain. Is something that happens to you when you're very, very small... Is that something that can harm you later on? And so he did a lot of study. He says, what happens to us when we're kids really does affect us dramatically in the here and now. And he says it something like this. Early trauma leaves an impact like a wrecking ball hitting a delicate crystal. What does he mean? Well, Proverbs says this, doesn't it? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So there's something that we can do, if we do it right, when the person gets old, he will not depart from that. There's something going on between the ears. If we do it right, it's good. But what happens if something goes wrong? What happens physiologically if something goes wrong when we raise that child? Well, Michelle was talking about, or uh, last night, about endorphins. What endorphins are is endogenous morphine, okay? They resemble opiates in their abilities to produce pain relief, and a feeling of well-being. I remember, she was talking about laughter and how that actually reduces pain and how laughter makes you feel better and, and the endorphins get released and everything is good with all this laughter. But they're also called the love chemicals, these endorphins. In other words, when a child is from age zero to age three, that's when this and, and, and the mother looks in the child's eyes, and they make a bond, they make contact, and the, and the mother is nurturing the child, the brain is developing that way, and it's correct. But if the child is neglected, let, let me explain here. First, endorphins, you have what in your brain? You have opiate, opioid receptors in your brain. And that's why when we take opiates, They mimic the endorphins, okay, and they kill pain, okay? In other words, they take the place on the receptors that the endorphins would, the opiates do, but they kill pain that way. Now, what happens is this part of the brain needs to be developed right in order for us to deal with pain, and if it's not developed right, then a person will want to take painkiller. Now, you can take a child, and you can... I don't recommend this, but this is what will happen. If you were to blindfold a child from age 0 to age 5, that child would be blind for the rest of its life because that part of the brain would not develop. And we'll explain this a little bit later, okay? We'll explain exactly what happens in brain development. But It's very important. Uh, So that being said, you have two kinds of memories, Okay. You have an explicit memory, and that means you can recall, but you have an implicit memory. And so some things that may happen to you, whatever, when Dr. Gabor Mate was handed to that woman, that total stranger, it broke a bond. It broke the bond of those love chemicals that were developing with his mother. He doesn't remember that. But there is a lack of brain development there that happened okay just like blindfolding the child and we'll uh, we'll explain it a little more implicit memory is the memory that you that your brain remembers but you don't in other words there's emotional scars but you don't know how you got them okay basically what he found was out of out of all the women that he is th- th- all, out of all the women that he treats at his facility 100% of them were sexually abused as a child. 100% of the addicts in his facility were sexually abused as a child. That's what he found. He said that there was a, boy, um, a man there who when he was a small child, his babysitter was a dryer. His mother would want to go out to the bars and the way to keep him safe was to put him in a dryer, put something against the dryer door and that was his babysitter. What do you think that did for the endorphins? What do you think that did for the brain development? What happens to the child whose natural painkillers aren't developed properly when that child is not nurtured? What do you think happens? He or she tries to find something to kill the pain. Because their pain-killing mechanism is not working. Now, the interesting thing is they found when they've done tests, when you inflict physical pain or emotional pain, the same part of the brain lights up. In other words, your brain cannot tell the difference between physical pain and emotional pain. Even though your body can physiologically feel it, your brain, the same parts of the brain lights up, okay? So this is why it's so important that this part of the brain develops, and it only develops as a young, young child. After, after that, it, it gets harder and harder to develop the brain. Now, let's get into why this is so important because your brain develops from back to front. Okay? So we're gonna take a, take a progression here now. Let's say that a child is emotionally scarred. Something happened. Uh, some, and, and, and believe me, I, okay, before we go any further, I wanna make a disclaimer. We don't point the finger at anybody if this has happened because it's just the way it is. Everybody does whatever they can to get through this life. Okay, so, so it's not my mom's fault. It's not her mom's fault. It's not her mom's mom's fault. It's just the way it is. It's the way this planet is. And what we're doing is we're answering that question, visiting the iniquities down to the third and fourth generation. Okay? So now, the brain develops from back to front. Okay, this is age 5, this is age 20, and sometimes up to age 25. Now, what this means, it's very important, okay? This means that the portions of the brain that deal with emotion, memory, learning, motivation, and judgment are the last to develop. Okay? They're the last to develop. As such, they are the most deeply affected by alcohol or drug abuse during the ages 12 through 20. That's oftentimes when a child will find their new painkiller. You understand what I'm saying? So if this child has been abused or if this child has been neglected and this child is looking for painkiller, it's going to find the painkiller at the exact time when judgment emotion, and all of those qualities that make you a logical human being at that exact time, it's going to take place, okay? That's when that's being developed. Now, Jay Guy, a neuroscientist at the National Institute of Mental Health, reported around puberty and on into the adult years, is a particularly critical time for the brain, now he calls it sculpting, because this is what's really interesting and this is why it's so important that we understand this cuz something something happens inside the brain to children as they develop. Now notice what happens for brain sculpting to take place. He compared the human brain in the years of puberty to an unformed block of granite ready for the artist's hand. Okay? Now, which artist is going to form this unformed block of granite. The art is created by removing pieces of the granite and that is the way the brain sculpts itself. The advances come from actually taking away and pruning down certain connections themselves. What does this mean? What does it mean? For example, if a teen abuses alcohol, the neural connections associated with memories and experiences Related to alcohol abuse are the ones that are strengthened. Are you with me? The memories, everything that went on when this child was abusing alcohol is strengthened in their brain. Meanwhile, by the same token, the neural connections damaged by or not used because of substance abuse, in other words, those related to learning or judgment, for example, are pruned and not strengthened. So in this critical time when the person is supposed to be learning and their brain is supposed to be developing judgment, if they're high, the memories associated, any, any memory, any, all the terrible things you do when you're high, all of the craziness that went on in an abusive home, all of that stuff gets strengthened in the brain while the learning and the judgment and the emotions gets pruned. Because this person, number one, if they're, if they're self-medicating, they're not living life on life's terms. And if you're not living a lot of life on life's terms, when your brain is developing, it gets pruned. See, so, that, so, so a child that is neglected when he's real small and then becomes an addict to kill the pain gets a double dip on brain damage. Visiting the iniquities down to the... Now, how do you think this child is going to raise his child? You understand what I'm saying? Now, this is the, the, what we're using here is drug abuse, but it happens in any number of things. If it's sexual abuse, if it's anger, if it's physical abuse, whatever the condition is, visiting the iniquities on down, and it is a tough cycle to break. And it all happens between the ears. It all happens between the ears. And this is what we end up with. Children on the street trying to kill the pain trying to kill the pain. So we ask the question again, is Jesus really coming back? Is he really coming back? What is going on? We're all here because this place is out of control. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. The question is, is do we believe Jesus? Do we believe his promises? John 14, one says, do not be worried and upset. Anybody worried and upset? Yes or no? Nobody's worried. Nobody's upset. After just watching that, see, Michelle got you guys on a high (laughs) and I just brought you back down to, to ground zero, huh? Well, that's not my intention, but that's reality. What we're talking about is it's just the way it is, okay? It's just the way it is. Do not be worried and upset, Jesus told him. Believe in God, believe also in me. See, the key to it is, and we understand this, is these children, these people, people like Susan and I, and anybody that has done damage to their brain, they're lacking something.
0: Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose and this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God. If you or someone you know is living in addiction captivity and having trouble finding God, Rich and Susan Cullenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the addiction recovery workbook for yourself or someone you know, just give them a call and they'll send it to you. 916-645-1297 or go to justiceiamministries.com as a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you 916-645-1297 or justiceiamministries.com thank you for listening and remember you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you